You're listening to the Wheel of Time TV podcast with Jay Florence. Welcome to Randland. This is a special spoilers edition. We will be doing these periodically. And today, this is a bonus episode off of episode two, our casting discussion. There's been some additional information online. And so I, Jay Florence, your Keeper of the Chronicles, am here with Colin Ezra Frazier from our Hall of the Tower to talk about it. So on Twitter, I posted Nico Parker as my suggestion for Egwene. There was a pretty strong reaction from people that she was too young, but also the subject of adult content got brought up. Right. Um, and initially I was pretty confused because in book one, Eye of the World, and even subsequent books, there's really nothing of a sexual nature, right? No, no. 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 And I at first I thought they must be talking about her um, becoming accepted right? because they have to strip down naked. But... That doesn't mean you have to show full nudity for that scene. And so I was still confused. But apparently there was a casting rumor posted by a site called Recapped. um, And it said they're looking for someone in their early 20s to play Eliza and someone slightly older to play Naughty. Both roles may require scenes of a sexual nature and partial nudity. So Eliza and Naughty and people, you know, uh, surmise that this must be Egwene and Nynaeve. Right. Some people who I thought were kind of ridiculous thought, oh, they're changing their names for TV. <laughs> I was like, what? They're not going to fucking do that? They're yeah. like, Nynaeve's too uh, hard to pronounce, so no. it's Naughty now. And I was like, no, no. they're trying to mislead you yeah. on the casting post. But what do you think of that? I mean, particularly for Egwene, because she's 16 <clears throat> in the books, and there is no sort of um, sexual interaction for her until much later. Right. More towards the end of the series when she reunites with Gowan. I, I think, I don't know, I'm, I have conflicted thoughts about it. Um, of course, I mean, like in the episode we talked about, or I at least expressed that I'm all for like seeing kind of... Um, a heightened rating for this mm-hmm. series as opposed to like the way they're written which is kind of PG-13 I think mm-hmm. but I don't want to see it like tacked on for no reason right do you know what I mean like if it's not I don't see like you said I don't see any moments within the first book that mm-hmm. would warrant there would be a need it that would warrant it unless they're trying to like amp up like the scene with Aram mm-hmm. um, or something like that yeah. I also wonder about the uh increasing their ages um like i haven't had much time to really sit with that concept but um i mean to me i and i mentioned this last time if they cast in their 20s by the time they reach you know the last battle sure they're going to be close to 30 right, right right and the way some of these young actors look they look quite mature sure. so i guess i mentioned in the in episode two when i was talking about nico that I wanted a much more um, Sansa-like arc for her. Mm-hmm. But Nico's two years older than Sophie Turner was when she started playing Sansa. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Game of Thrones and you get to season eight, Sansa's a full-grown woman who's blossomed. And that's how I pictured Egwene by the time she gets to the last battle, right, right, as right. being in her early 20s. Well, I think that's the thing. That's kind of what makes that whole arc. And all mm-hmm. I think all of those arcs so incredible is seeing where they started as like, these naive kind of mm-hmm. children or like very young adults and becoming very experienced, grizzled and like 
destroyed adults, <laughs> right? Like they, they go through a lot of shit, yeah. um, especially Egwene, obviously. So um, I think there's something, there's something to be said for seeing that entire arc, her going yeah. from it's kind of like perhaps young and innocent girl to like coming into her own and finding out who she is and finding out more about the world and then becoming like this badass, you know, that mm -hmm. she is. So I wonder what, what would be lost in not getting that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one particular scene that sticks out to me is when uh, Egwene is Amberlynn and she gets taken captive by the White Tower. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important that she's not of an age with the other Aes Sedai, mm -hmm. or she doesn't look so mature that she's their equal. I think there's a lot of emphasis on her age um, at, at first as being a puppet Amberlynn, right. and then later her being dismissed by the um, Elida's Aes Sedai, basically. Mm. You know? um, but if she's the same age as them, if they're all 30, it's like, it's not this incredible it's, tale that she's right. so powerful that she's going to rise up and be their mother. Right. I think it's important that she is younger and incredible. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I think that's, yeah. it's kind of going back to the conversation we were having about the dynamic between Rand and Moraine. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the height difference, but there's also this age difference, right? And we don't even, they don't even know, like, how old Moraine is. Right. right? So there's like a there's a tension that's added to the situation because of that, mm -hmm. because of the, the generational gap, so to speak, that you're, kind of, you're going to lose by aging up the characters uh, yeah. in that respect. Totally. I talked last week about Egwene having this innocence, mm -hmm. and I just hope they don't like, take that away early. <clears throat> it's one thing for her to have independence, um, but I didn't feel like she needed to have sex with Aram to like prove that she's taking this of course. step. Right, right, so right. it's hard for me to wrap my head around yeah. how they're going to work that into right. season one, even if she's in her 20s. Yeah, I think that's that's what I was getting at, like mm -hmm. to just sexualize the characters for the for the sake of ratings. Right. Mm -hmm. um, does not feel good to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that in the same way that Game of Thrones is part of the reason why this show is uh, a possibility. I think there are quote-unquote expectations of, of a show of that nature now to kind of provide the sort of provocative things that Game of Thrones right. sometimes did, right. um, which I don't think is necessary, right? No, and I keep seeing it again and again that they're going to Game of Thronesify the Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. um, and my hope would be that they play up um, the horror and the, the terror mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. and make it dark in that way, right. but not necessarily... You know, everyone's having sex. Just sex and violence. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not sex and violence because right, right. It, the tone of the books is so different. Right. And while we don't want it to be neutered, it doesn't need to be Game of Thrones. That's not no. that's not what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I mean, Jordan does have these moments. Definitely, there's obviously violence, um, mm -hmm. but there are also um, sexual moments. He doesn't go too deep into them. Mm -hmm. But I think those are moments that they could explore a little further, perhaps. Yeah. But um, and, and I'm sure there are moments that you can add in for whatever. But I, I just have a problem with adding sex for the, sec for the sake of adding sex. You yeah. Know? Um, I think that's unnecessary. And, I mean, in conclusion there, Rafe has said Egwene's his favorite character. Sure. And he has really high hopes for her. So I do want to put my trust in him that he's not going to do this in poor taste and whatever they have in mind. Mm -hmm. It might just be a catch-all for the casting Maybe there are no sexual scenes, or maybe it's more between uh, Nynaeve and Lan sure. or something. Right, right, right. Which would definitely be a change to the story since they drag out that tension. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see. That could be very different. 
Also, I just want to respond to things people are saying um, about them needing to be 18 because there are laws around how long you could be on set and you have to have an on-set teacher and it's easier production-wise. But um, I've worked on movies where there's such thing as legal 18 and a lot of younger actors in SAG are legal 18, which means um, those rules don't apply. I'm pretty sure nudity-wise, it probably mm-hmm. applies to 18 because sure. you can't show, right, right. you know, child pornography. But as far as, you know, mechanics on set, right. they're course, cleared to work. work. They yeah. can travel by themselves, stay by themselves, work a full day. Sure. So that shouldn't actually be an issue. And I would like to see Egwene cast as probably closer to 18. Yeah. And not 20. And not 20, or 22. Yeah. Right, right. I think that's totally workable. So I hope they find someone and she's a little younger. So another point I want to make, on since we're talking about sex and relationships in the book, I want to kill Gowan. Right. <laughs> I, right. I've never liked him, and I thought this was really forced and just like this 11th hour addition. Yeah. Egwene does not need a romantic relationship. It's true. That's true. And she could have a tryst. Like yeah. maybe she needs that sort of release, but she doesn't need to marry him right, and do this right. whole thing. And even at the last battle, um, you know, Gowan is then her husband and her warder, and he dies. And in that moment of grief is when she, you know, unleashes, you know, this crazy power Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen since the Age of Legends. And she brings everything down. I didn't think she needed a warder's death to do that. No, I don't think that's necessary. I think you can find other motivations. Mm -hmm. And to that point... Like one story I really loved was, I think we saw together Rogue One. We mm-hmm. saw Star Wars, Star yes. Wars Rogue One. And I love that story. And they could do this because it was kind of a one shot. It was a one off, like all these characters are going to die anyway. Right. So um, Jen didn't have a romantic interest. There was like, there was, it wasn't really a love interest. Like no. there was a little bit of like sexual tension maybe. Yeah. But it wasn't like, she was kind of like, I need to fucking do this thing and I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. And the moment before they die, she's not like, I love you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, re- it was very refreshing to mm-hmm. not have that tacked on, especially to a female role. Yeah. Um, so I think Egwene is very much a character who does not require anything like that. She's, and you kind of mentioned um, in another episode that I said I are very focused, and they have, um, they have a mission that they're trying to accomplish, and fortunately they have like extra years to do mm-hmm. that. Most of them. And I feel like Egwene very much falls in line with that. She's yeah. like, she's got a thing she wants to accomplish, and she and she does it. You know. I feel like her rage against the shadow yeah. is enough in itself. Yeah. And I've always been, uh, you know, a fan because she's sort of a protege of Moraine in so many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a product of a lot of people, but she starts as Nynaeve's apprentice, and then she really, you know, Moraine takes her under her wing mm-hmm. in the beginning when she's just learning to channel, and yeah. she looks up to Moraine. And she becomes a similar woman in her focus and her duty to fighting the shadow. Right. That brings me to another point, Tom and Moraine. Meh. I've on, can you explain it? I've never I understood this. I, I don't understand it at all. I think most people don't understand it, <laughs> honestly. And it, I feel like it, it just speaks to that thing where like Jordan was just kind of like matching everyone up. Mm-hmm. Everyone had to have a match, you know, or at least one match. Right. Um, which it, it it feels weird. It just feels like it's unnecessary so and tacked crazy. on. It's yeah. crazy. It's out of nowhere. Yeah. And another thing, it's starting to impact um, casting discussions. Sure. People want to say, oh, it can't be someone too old because it would have to make sense with Moraine. 
a million years later. Right. And I'm like, no, no <laughs> don't let that, that inform yeah, your decision. Please. Just find the best Tom and cut that out. Yeah. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't add anything. And it doesn't make sense. No, it's unnecessary. When did it happen in the timeline? I need Doctor Who to just walk <laughs> me through that one. Um, but yeah, everyone being paired up. Let's ax that. We don't need it. There's not going to be enough time in the show. Similar to Game of Thrones, they right. have to streamline things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Those are two things that I would nix. And then we don't have to worry so much about casting. Honestly, do you even need Gowan? The only reason you need Gowan is for the really hot scene um, at at the White Tower when mm -hmm. they're Gowan and Galater and Warder uh, training. Right. And they fight each other and then Matt comes and like kicks their asses. Yeah, but you can still have that scene. Yeah. You can still have that scene. They just don't have to be those characters. Yeah. Right? Like, or, or he has a brother. Or he has a brother, just, exactly. Like just you can have any, still yeah. have that scene with that until, and take Gowan mm -hmm. out, right? Right. Yeah, he's a very unnecessary and annoying character. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah. I realized I got mad at myself um, because I was trying to figure out how to refer to the Amonsfield's characters in the casting episode. And people have called them the Fab Five. Right. Or different things. And it sounded stupid to say it. But I called them younglings, not even thinking about Gowan's right, younglings right, later. Right, right. And every time I listen to the episode, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Gowan's in my head. Why yeah. did I do that? Ugh, anyway. Okay, so another topic, and it goes back to my Twitter post of Nico Parker, mm -hmm. is people talking about ethnicity and diversity mm -hmm. in Emmons Field. Okay, I have to admit that I sort of have this naive bubble where I wanted to think Wheel of Time fans were better than other fans in general and other fantasy fans, because if you think about the content of the book and the nature of it, you know, um, you want to unite people. Fantasy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, there's still racist people and sexist people, mm -hmm. and they love Wheel of Time too. Sure. Unfortunately. And to those saying uh, you can't have diversity within Evansfield because it's Europe, I don't right. know if they know this, but it's not a historical fiction. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, the thing about that is like... <laughs> it's fantasy. It's so easy to make sarcastic comments about people who say things like that and... But like at the end of the day, like what could you possibly say to someone who says that mm -hmm. to change their mind? Because they have to know that. You know what I mean? They mm -hmm. have to know all these things. It's such a bizarre um, place to be coming from. Right. But it wasn't shocking to me at all. No. Yeah. Also to ground this in the book, um, you did mention the Hermione effect last right. week, right. Um, but she is described as having dark coloring. Mm -hmm. um, and later when Rand is in Camelin and uh, Aleda is kind of inspecting him, mm -hmm. uh, she looks and sees that where he's not tan, his skin is a different complexion that's more like the Aiel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people have speculated there, there probably is diversity within Evansfield, and they're also like very um, tan and have like darker tone skin in, mm. in general. Uh, so I don't know why people would be surprised. And and they're like, oh, he'll stand out too much if you have diversity in Evansfield. I'm like, they're all tan as fuck. If you have people yeah. of color, like, he's, no, he's also tan. Yeah, it's his reddish coloring and his gray eyes. But there's a lot more going on with Rand than right. just like just that. Um, that would cause him to stand out, um, and it, namely his height, I guess, right? right? And his, yeah, his red hair. But generally, it's you, I feel like it's a matter of people associating a fantasy fantasy with Eurocentric 
ideas in general, like mm-hmm. a la token, right? So mm-hmm. if you're if you're just kind of um, comparing it to that, then you just bring all this baggage with you and assume that it has to be that. But also, once you have this idea in your mind, you just build upon it in your head, I suppose. Right. And you're you're never questioning it. When in fact, it doesn't have to be like that. The book doesn't necessarily support that. So it's strange that people enjoy kind of like clinging to these these notions. <sighs> yeah. But I think I think we discussed this before that Andor has the potential to be pretty diverse in general. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously all of Randland does. Right. Like, um, the books support that for yeah. sure. And I mean, we shouldn't be surprised either since Rafe is getting death threats right. for being gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I will say I shouldn't have been surprised because as a Trekkie and a Next Gen fan, mm-hmm. Next Gen is this utopian future for Earth where there isn't really racism, there's no capitalism or money, everyone's equal, and it's just more. The only time they encounter conflict is out when meeting more ignorant species and they have to, you know, uh, navigate moral quandaries of how to, like, respect their cultures and and figure it out. But then there's bigots that are TNG fans. It's like, how do you like this fucking show? Sure. I, I don't know. It's a conundrum. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I hope they hate the show and they fall off and stop talking about Wheel of Time. Yeah, right. And just leave us with the good fans. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing comments? Uh, it's a completely different conversation. What is it? I think that season one, uh, and I said it before, is going to incorporate New Spring and I Have the World, but I also think they're going to get into The Great Hunt. I don't know if they'll finish like all of the the kind of yeah. plot points of the Great Hunt, but I think it'll it'll dip into mm-hmm. there. Um, specifically because like that's when like the first time it's declared that Rand is the Dragon Reborn, right? So like I I agree. I do think they're gonna use the beginning of the Great Hunt, right. and it would uh, be a good place to leave off sort of a cliffhanger. Yeah. is when they're setting out on the next journey to right. go after the dagger. Exactly. And the horn. Exactly. Yeah. It, it sets up the next adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of like. A neat, a neatish way, right? And you know, I really want them to incorporate it so I can fan cast Leandrin. <laughs> For those listening, Jodie Comer from Killing Eve is Leandrin. Watch her; she's incredible. She's an incredible villain, and she'd be great. 